Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. PD, how are you doing in the wake of the trade deadline? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, it's, it's good to be recording this today. I feel like this is kind of a full circle moment for the podcast because our very yeah. first episode was the trade deadline recap in 2019, and obviously that was a momentous deadline for the Blue Jackets, and we were very excited about what it signaled for the team that they were making a push for it, and obviously it it worked out pretty well. You know, last year, the trade deadline was one where the Jackets really couldn't do much given the situation they were in. They were fighting for a playoff spot. They had a bunch of injuries. They didn't have a lot of assets to spend to add players, so, you know, they made one minor move, and that was it. Then this year has been then the the third path. This time, the Jackets are sellers and this was kind of a new experience for us not something that uh, the jackets had to do for about five years and uh and we, we talked last week about why selling was the right move to do and you know this weekend yarmo did it yeah sellers like you said for the first time in quite a while but i think we were all ready for it obviously the way things were going this season and you know, it's kind of exciting for me personally. With it. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll get into these trades and everything. But it kind of, in my mind, you know, kind of gets something going, something new going again. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it. So obviously, everybody knows by now that the captain, Nick Foligno and Riley Nash are off to Toronto, while David Savard is going to go to Tampa Bay. And the Blue Jackets, I think, did pretty well in terms of the slew of draft picks they have coming back. Five picks, including two firsts. And, you know, compare, we can get into it a little bit later on, but just real fast, compared to a lot of other teams around the league, I mean, for instance, the Blue Jackets got more for Felino and, you know, Savard alone than the Sabres got for Taylor Hall. Yeah, that was that was really ridiculous to see that come out late Sunday night and be like, really, that's... That's all they got for a player like that. And yeah, you know, a lot of people leading up to the deadline were not sure whether, you know, any first round picks could be had. Yeah, I certainly didn't. I thought that was ambitious to ask for for Savard and Felino, but Yarmo pulled it off. And yeah, he got seemed to get better return 
than any other seller really got for for their pieces, uh, which is it's crazy, but it uh, it made me happy. And and it's I'm I feel a little weird to feel happy about all this because right you know we've you know Savard has been around for a really long time, and Felino's been around for mm-hmm. a long time and is the captain, and you know I should be emotional about it, but I think we saw this coming for a while. And so I was able to prepare myself emotionally for it. So I, I kind of knew that the trades were going to happen. And then once I saw the return, then I was just excited about, Oh my God, we got really, really good return for this, which is not, not what I expected. Um, so I've, I've fallen on the side that I'm being more excited about what we're getting back than sad about, what we're losing that's how i felt yeah yeah you know and i think obviously a guy like nick felino leave but the impression that he made not just on the ice but especially off the ice in fort columbus i mean i've already seen so many say he's the best captain and i mean he presided over the best stretch of blue jackets hockey and he was such a good soldier on the ice uh, you know, David Savard, like you said, has been, I, it's crazy. I forgot how long he's been in Columbus or how long he was in Columbus and Tampa Bay really values him, obviously given the return, but also I heard, I think that he's going to be on the first pairing with Hedman. Yeah. So just, just really interesting. And it was really weird to see, uh, Savard and lightning gear take the ice today for practice. But, um, yeah, you know, that's how I felt. I thought, I don't feel emotional about it. I feel you know, like it was kind of not overdue, but in a sense, like we needed to see something kind of change a little bit. But yeah, I'm excited. Now we'll see what happens with the draft picks and what they ultimately get out of that. But for now, it seems like Yarmo seems to do very well with trades. I mean, over the over his tenure, you can criticize something, you know, along the lines here or there based on maybe roster construction or whatever, or the way free agents may have left or but as far as trades, he seems to do very well in that in that regard. Yeah, and I would say though that his past record on selling hasn't been great. In 2014, you know, he traded Marion Gabarik and got a really underwhelming return for that. So again, looking back, uh, one of the commenters pointed out, like, is it right that you know Savard and Felino at this stage of their career got first round picks, but Marion Gabrick didn't for as good as he yeah, was then and weird. went on to be good for, for Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when he traded James Wisniewski the next year, he got Rennie Bork and William Carlson. And, and both of those players worked out well for us in the short term. But I, I appreciate that these moves, and I thought there would maybe be some prospects coming back or maybe a veteran player on a bad contract because we had the cap space for it. But I liked that it was all yeah. – draft picks because you know our pipeline has been thinned out a bit i still think there are some quality players in the pipeline mostly in russia but we don't have quantity of players in the pipeline um and so i think the the more bites we get at that apple the more chances we have at getting nhl players and with yarmo in this scouting department they have a pretty good record of finding guys in the later rounds you know guys that can make it to the nhl so any pick is is a good thing. So, you know, if, if we go through it in, in chronological order here, so there was the, the Nash trade on Friday. And we all knew that Riley Nash is one of those unrestricted free agents that should be traded. But then the fact that he got hurt, he was on the IR, 
you thought like, oh, crap, well, there goes one of our assets because who's going to trade for him when he's hurt? I didn't anticipate the cap gymnastics that Toronto would do with that trade because it actually benefited Toronto by acquiring him. They could put him on long-term injured reserve, which gave them more wiggle room to make other moves, which I thought was was pretty clever. And so just because of the cap room, we get a seventh-round pick. No matter what, it's 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 next year's, but yeah. okay, we we get a pick for sure. Now, if Nash recovers enough and is able to play in what twenty five percent of the Leafs games, then it com- becomes a sixth round pick. And you know, I don't want to oversell oversell how good a late round pick is like that. Like, chances are it's not going to become anything, but it could become something. Yeah, it's it's another piece. Um, and to get that for someone who was hurt and was not going to be able to play for us at all for the rest of the season. I mean, that's just, that's a complete win. We gave up nothing essentially and, and get a piece in return, which could become a slightly better piece. And that's, that's great. You know, the Savard trade was a, uh, again, I, I did not think that he was going to get that much return. First round pick seemed that bitch. So I thought, yeah, second would be good. Maybe second and, a third or second and some late round one like that. Okay. That seems about, about right for, you know, a guy who's getting older, he's on an expiring contract. Like, come on, there's not about that. You know, he's not worth that much. Is he, you know, he's been having a bad season, um, but he's a right shot defenseman, which is, you know, those are more rare. So they're in high demand. And again, there was some cap gymnastics done by Tampa. We had to get Detroit involved to help eat some of the salary, which was pretty clever. I thought, and uh, yeah, I've got a first and a third. Yeah, so yeah, then, so yeah. it's interesting. Yes, and then Toronto basically did the same thing that Tampa did in terms of we roped a third team in to help retain some salary and get a low pick and a player, and um, and yeah, we ended up with a first and a fourth for Felino, and that's weird because I feel like Felino is a more valuable asset than Savard. I think Felino could be a more useful player than Savard can be, but obviously the teams saw it differently, but, and you know, these first round picks are going to be low first round picks because I expect both Toronto and Tampa to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but you know, they are, they are pieces, they're assets and we can, we can either pick three players in the first round or we can trade some of those picks to acquire maybe a, an NHL center that we need. Or we can, you know, trade some of those picks to move up in the draft or to move down in the draft and create even more picks. You know, we have we have nine picks total in the draft this summer, and that's a lot to work with. And that's really exciting. And we have now it is eight picks in the 2022 draft. So uh, that's that is a lot for Yarbo to work with uh, this summer and the summer after to, you know, retool this team going forward. Yeah, I know. I was asking you last night, or I was kind of getting your thoughts on whether you thought potentially maybe teams were giving up draft picks because maybe they thought the upcoming draft might be a little bit of a weaker class. And, you know, I think some people were speculating maybe it was based on, you know, with COVID, the lack of minor leagues, the lack of international, whatever the case might be. Um, But I think it's a great point because whether or not the Blue Jackets end up drafting players with all these picks, they could very well trade these picks for guys this summer 
like what the goalie is, you know, there was the possible. Well, I don't know how much of a possibility that there was. I didn't expect either Corpusalo or Merzlikens to get traded today, but I thought obviously with the summer ahead, who knows? Probably something happens then. Yeah, like you said, a center. So it's good to have these draft picks and have this kind of flexibility now going forward. And you know, who knows what might happen? This I feel I feel like the summer will be very interesting to say the least for Columbus alone. For sure, yeah, and the. the- yeah, I feel like the the weakness of the draft is overstated. I think that some of that is coming from teams that have generally been focused on players that played in Canadian juniors, um, and the WHL had a short season. The OHL didn't have a season at all, um, so they feel like there's been less opportunity to see those players this year. But the Jackets have taken so many more European players in recent years, and those leagues were all still playing this year, so... The scouts over there have still been able to see them play, and um, and so I think they're not really at a disadvantage, uh, and are maybe better suited for this draft than other teams might be. So, in that case, it makes sense for the Jackets to hoard picks, and perhaps teams are undervaluing those picks, those high picks. So it will take less to acquire them. Maybe that's why Toronto and Tampa were more willing to give up a first-round pick because they figure, well, it's not worth it in this draft anyway. But if the Jackets think yeah, it is, right. then that's perfect. Um, and if they, you know, if they identify a guy in the first round that they really want, they could move up to get him, maybe. And Yarmo today in his press conference, he sounded pretty comfortable with their scouting. Um, he mentioned that you know there's still going to be a uh, an under eighteen world championship coming up this spring that he'll be going to and watching. I think that's down in Texas. He said there's been some talk about some kind of showcase tournament for the players that didn't get as much of a season in Canada. So that'll be another opportunity for all the NHL scouts to get one last look at those players. You know, he mentioned then that his, his scouts have been, you know, doing what in-person scouting they could do. They've been watching a lot of tape, but he seems pretty comfortable with, uh, with the work they've been doing, so he he didn't think that it he didn't think that it was a weaker draft class when he was asked about it. So uh, I you know I based on the drafting history, I feel I, I'm comfortable if they're comfortable with it. You know I think they'll be able to find some some good pieces. I hope I would like to see some pieces that might be able to come at least to Cleveland sooner. Um, you know I'm excited about a lot of these Russian players. But, you know, there's that we have to wait on them. And I think we could use some more immediate help. So anyone that could get there sooner um, would, would be would be a nice little luxury to have if we can get that. Were you surprised that Michael Delzato was not traded today? I was. Yeah, I, I really was. Um, and, and reporters like uh, Brian Hedger and Aaron Portsline uh, were saying earlier today that they expected it to happen. And then... The deadline came and went, and and he wasn't moved. And there were other defensemen uh, who I think have had worse seasons than Delzato who did get traded. And we're talking about for you know fifth or sixth or seventh round picks. But considering how little it costs us to get Delzato in the first place, it seems like that would have been worth it to dump him for whatever we could get for him. So yeah, I was surprised. Now some people were like upset that we didn't trade him. And I think that's probably an overreaction. <laughs> you know, it, it can be disappointing, yeah. but like I, I it shouldn't uh, yeah. dampen your view on the entire weekend and the entire lead up to the trade deadline. Right. Because I think overall it was still 
a net win for the Blue Jackets. Um, and, you know, Delzato, he'll, he'll still be around. He'll still play. You know, Torts and the coaches seem to like him. The other players seem to like him. So, you know, it sounds like he's a guy that, that the team thinks is worth keeping around. So considering the blow of losing, you know, Nash and Savard and Foligno, I think it's fair to go ahead and, and hold on to, to Delzato. I think that's fine. Extra body and yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So there, there remains the possibility that a guy like Nick Foligno could return next summer as a free agent. Um, I'm not exact. I don't know. In these situations, I, I, I don't put too much stock into. Yeah, he could, I mean, he definitely could come back, but it's kind of like there's too much time between now and then. He could love it in Toronto. He could like it somewhere else. Who knows? The money will speak contract wise, but we know how much he loved Columbus and. I do think that, you know, that could happen. But what do you think about that? I think that was another reason why the Felino trade didn't hit me as hard as maybe it should have, because he's been one of my favorite players on the team for a long time. But I feel like it doesn't feel like a final goodbye, you know? And Torts and, and the other players, like none of them were acting like it was that kind of thing either. So I think there's a very good chance that that yeah he's back here next season, um, which would be which would be huge for the Blue Jackets because they'd basically be getting this great yeah, return right. for only losing him for you know a month, <laughs> basically, and he comes right back. So I do think yeah you're right. I mean now it's also possible that some other team could offer him more than the Jackets are prepared to offer him, and so if if he wants to if he wants to chase the money. Or another team that maybe he feels is closer to a cup if he doesn't doesn't win with, with Toronto, um, then I certainly won't blame him for that. Like I want him to, I think he deserves to go get the best deal that he can get. But I think that uh, based on the comments of everyone involved, that there are certainly going to be talks this summer between Ooh. Felino and the Jackets, and I think it's a pretty good chance that he will end up back here. Bob McElligot on his podcast today, he put it at 
that he comes back. I think it's probably a little bit more likely than that. Um, although I probably need to uh, keep my expectations low, right. so I'm not heartbroken right. if he goes elsewhere. I, I think if he does sign, if he does sign somewhere else this summer, I think that's when the emotion might hit me more because Final, then it'll yeah. feel more real. Yeah, that he's gone. If if he actually signs with someplace else, yeah, that's a good point. And in general, kind of taking that a step further, I suppose. Now that the trade deadline is done, we know which players for now are gone. Outlook for the off season, for all intents and purposes, the season's pretty much done for Columbus, barring some kind of magical run that gets them into the playoffs, which put it past them to do something like that. But <laughs> it's so, I guess. From a goalie standpoint, obviously we know the need for a center, as we alluded to earlier. But what are you kind of looking forward to this offseason with this team? Yeah, I'm just curious to see what kind of tinkering Yarmo does. I will say that I I think that there's still a lot of reason reason for optimism with this team. I think the core of the team uh, it's still pretty young, and I think there's a lot of talent in it. Uh, so, you know, I think there's pieces to build around. If you, if you take Jones and Wierenski and Bjorkstrand and Atkinson and Line A and Roslevic and Domi and one of the goalies, like that is, that is a solid core there. So look for upgrades if you can get it. Uh, if you could get a really great center, go for it. Although one thing I'm going to be looking for here over the last month of the season is, the continued development of Domi and Roslevic. Um, because, you know, maybe we're okay going with those guys as our top two centers going to the next season. Like, neither of them is an elite number one center, but they could be good enough. You know, as long as they click with some of our wings, we've got good wings. You know, I think it's a group that we can win some games with. Uh, I have to say, you know, Domi has been playing a lot better over the last month. He has been moved back to center and I think has still been looking good there. Uh, He's been put together with Line A, and I feel like those two have really clicked. Line A finally got off the schneid. He got a goal on Saturday. It was a really nice goal, like from glass level behind Domi. And you could see what he saw in the traffic that he passed it through, but it was a beautiful saucer pass, accurate right to Line A right to where Line could shoot it right on net. So I feel like there could be some chemistry growing between those two guys. That's something to to build on going forward. In terms of long-term moves that need to be made, there are, there are some that are really important this summer. Uh, obviously, once the, the new league year starts, the 2022 free agents are eligible for contract extensions. And you know, number one on that list is Seth Jones. And I think it's really important that the team figures out if they can lock up Jones long-term. So I say go to him this summer and make a big offer. Because the sooner that you get him signed long-term, it sends a message to the rest of the team, to the rest of the league, that, you know, this is our, Jones is prime, this is our window this is what we're committing to. This is what he's committing to. And then you can go to other players like Lorenzi, yeah. Domi, Line A, and be like, hey, do you guys want to be part of this too? And there's going to be the cap space to, to lock in these guys. And the sooner they commit, the, the bigger 
piece of the pie that they can get of that cap space. The longer they wait, the less the less room there. So, and I, you know, with Line, I think it you know it might not be long term with him yet. Probably the best for both sides is just a one year deal, just to figure it, go into next year with a full season, more of a normal season. See how he likes the city, then see if he plays better, you know, and then talk extension after that if it's a fit. If not, then you know trade him next year and and see what you can get for him. You know, see if there's a new coach and see what impact that has on the team. You know, that's going to be another big thing. Is do you, you know what 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 decision do you make about Tortorella? And and you know we're going to have a lot of time this summer to talk about a lot of this stuff. But uh, you know that's going to be another big decision because that'll that'll shape what the team looks like. Yeah, and one last point with Jones, and this is relevant with Felino, is what happens to the Blue Jackets' captaincy. So there's obviously not going to be a captain for the rest of this season, you know. And some people feel like if Felino comes back, that he'll stay the captain. But I think again, if if you could entice Jones by saying, "Hey, if you sign here long term, you get to be the captain," because it really right. does feel like. Mm-hmm. He is captain material. And for a while we've been oh, saying, yeah. okay, he's the next captain. So why not now? And even if Felino comes back, like this could, this could be the time to go ahead and make that transition, make that handoff. And I don't think Felino would have a problem with that. It's not going to change the, the role that Felino has on the team because he was acting like that before he was the captain. And I think if he's even just an alternate captain, he's still going to be the same leader he's always been. But you know, you've kind of passed the torch to Jones as the next captain and the leader of this younger core group of the team. You know, he can more relate to those guys and just, yeah, bring in some new blood into leadership. Because we've had this leadership group intact for a while. Um, go ahead and get some new fresh blood. I'd like to see, now they, they didn't say anything about there being a, a third alternate captain during the rest of the season, but I'd like to see them try that. Um, and I'd like to give a letter to Oliver Bjorkstrand because I feel like there's some leadership qualities in him. Um, now it's more of the quiet leader type. It's more of the lead by example type, but you know, he's come on so strong the last few years. He's the best forward on the team. And, um, I think it would also help to have a European in the leadership group because there are so many European players on the team now. And I think it would give them some representation in that leadership group. So that's something that I would like to see, if not this year, then maybe going into next season, just a, a, a bit of a shuffling there of, of who wears the letters. Yeah. And again, I guess we'll figure out or we'll find out what happens in goal. I'll be very curious to see who they ultimately go with. I mean, I, I, I keep getting this uh, sort of impression by people that, Elvis has the higher upside, and I don't really doubt that. I think I consider Corpusalo, mm-hmm. I don't know if safe's the right word. I think I've said this before. So in my mind, you kind of know what you're getting with him, but it can work. But I get it. If you go with someone like Elvis, I would say long-term, but they also have guys in the minors that'll be coming up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they decide the goalie tandem and, you know, yeah, that's Ter- Tarasov can then be the one taking over for the future. Um, yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, trade, whichever one brings you the better return. And if one ha- has, if one brings in significantly more return, then okay, that's the deal. Because I feel like, even if I feel that Elvis does have more upside, I feel like 
there's not that much of a difference in terms of team success like with one over the other. And, and actually, I, I think I kind of disagree with you on Corpy being the safer pick because I feel like there has been a lot – there's been a wider range in performance from Corpy this year. You know, Elvis has been more consistent this year, but he's not he's not achieved the highs that he did last year, really, outside of a couple games. He's been more, but he's not been he's not had a terrible game. It's more like, all right, he's gonna allow three goals every game. Maybe one's his fault, the other two aren't, but that's kind of what you're you'd expect from an Elvis start. Whereas Corby yeah. can have starts where he only allows one goal, and then other starts where he allows like five goals. <laughs> and you just you, you're not sure which Corpy you're going to get. Yeah, and to that point, like I did that article on the two um, a couple months ago now, or about a, mm-hmm. about a month or so ago, and looking at some of the numbers, it was like, okay, whether, whether you're looking just at something like save percentage or you're going deeper beyond that, Corpusalo can be erratic, but I also feel like, to your point a little bit earlier in the year, I feel like if Elvis doesn't get hurt and Tortorella was able to either alternate the goalies a little bit more or not have to start Corpy as much as he did for a little bit there, you know, Corpusala might have had extra rest. Uh, Yeah, I I think you're right, though. I think you got to go with the guy that gives you the best return. Yeah, it's a shame that we didn't get the that true rotation for as long as we did. And there's there's a goal from Stefan Mato of all people. <laughs> nice there we go. Goal. Playoff that's, rally. Uh, playoff rally. <laughs> oh, you know, so yeah, we didn't get that that rotation because I feel like it was starting to go really well. You had Corpy playing well at the start of the season. Elvis started out rocky, but then he was starting to really find his form, and then he got hurt. Um, and when Corpusalo had to play too many games, his effectiveness dropped. Uh, which we saw in the bubble as well. He was really great against Toronto. He was really great in the first couple games against Tampa, and then fatigue set in. So I think maybe either guy could benefit a little bit from being part of that rotation, or, or you know, getting those, you know, alternating starts like that as opposed to being a workhorse. I think Elvis is probably better suited to be the workhorse. He seems to play pretty well, playing lots of games in a row, like he he did recently. He played four games in a row. He, the team went one and three, but it wasn't really his fault. But on the other hand, I worry that Elvis is maybe more injury prone. Yeah, it's not. We don't have we don't have a lot of history here, but there have been the times that he's gotten hurt. Right. And yeah. So and, and I think that that has to be a bit of a factor as well. And then there's their salary. I think uh, you know that comes into play where Elvis is making more. Now that might make it harder to trade him because teams don't have the cap room for him. Uh, if they see Corpy as being part of a tandem. It would be easier to take on at his cap hit. Uh, on the flip side, from the Jackets' perspective, I could see them wanting to stick with Corpy because they can maybe keep him around for longer, for cheaper. Uh, if it's you know him in a tandem with Daniil Tarasov next year, and even going forward, if they see Tarasov as the future and then Corpy just sticks around as the backup, if that's what he's content being, then maybe that's a reason to go with Corpy just because of the, again, the security there and the lower cost. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think uh, when I say safe, I think that's what I'm thinking is sort of that security and maybe that 
Well, not so much the lower salary, although that could be a case, but maybe just that veteran aspect to him. I don't know. Sure. Either way, um, it'll be really interesting to see, of course, how a lot of this all plays out. And, you know, it's kind of it's, it's kind of like oh, one yeah. of those storylines. It's just kind of been there for a while, I feel like. So it'd be good to have a resolution. <laughs> but there's always something, whether it's coaching, whether it's the power play, whether it's this player going to stay or go. So we're going to have a lot of answers. Yeah, and in the meantime, with, with the games that are left in the season um, – Torts indicated today that there's going to be a lot of shuffling in the lineup, players coming in and out because, you know, Yarmo and the front office want to see what they have in a lot of these players. So we're going to get guys coming up and down from Cleveland. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of excited for that because I'm able to watch the games without any expectation of, oh my God, they have to win this game to get in the playoffs. Like, no, that, that ship has sailed. So I want them to win each game. If they lose, well, that helps the draft position, so I don't have to be too disappointed. And I want to see – I'm more interested in individual performances. So again, Saturday night, they lost, but Line A got a goal. So I was really happy to see Line A get a goal and see his improvement in recent games. You know, I'm excited that you know Cole Sherwood is getting a shot. You know, can he prove something here and earn a spot on the team next year? You know, and other young players like that, like can Texier continue to develop as a center? You know, can they give Stenland some shots for crying out loud? <laughs> you know, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see what some of these new faces can do and, and give us an idea of, give us a better idea of what we have going into next season. You know, which guys are keepers and which ones are more expendable as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. Did you have anything else that you wanted to? touch on well i had one uh one kind of final thought not hockey related the savard news broke when i was uh outside on a golf course i went golfing on saturday afternoon got nine holes in before the rain hit it had been years since i had golfed even pre-covid uh, but some friends wanted to go out and you know after a year of being shut in to to be outside to be doing an activity with people outside of the home and not just in someone's backyard. It, it just felt like doing something normal and just being around people. It, it, it was so cathartic and I was just, I was on cloud nine after it. And I, I said, I hadn't played in a while. I'm not a good golfer. I don't even keep score because my scores aren't good, <laughs> but I just go out there. I just, you know, do the best I can with each shot. If it goes bad, ah, what the hell? Just take another shot or just give up and drive to the green. Like, it's fine. No pressure. And, uh, you know, it, it just, as spring is coming now and people are getting vaccinated, uh, I'm, I'm just, I can't help but feel optimistic. Even with the, the jacket yeah. struggling on the ice, I still feel optimistic about the world going forward and, uh, I think this can be a better summer and and hopefully a more normal yeah. fall. Um, if I can be a nationwide for games in the fall, that'll be huge. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. The, uh, the world going forward normally in the blue jackets will go forward and make the best of their situation. And yeah, I was actually at top golf on Sunday. It, yeah. Last week nice. was very social for me getting out and doing things again with people. So very good to, uh, to kind of get back into that sense of normalcy but For sure. yeah you know i just i just checked the score before we close and i saw the leafs were down two nothing to montreal so they need nick felino to get in that lineup <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yep, the sooner the better. <laughs> well, actually, both David Savard and Nick Foligno kind of strike me as those guys. Obviously, they've been in the playoffs quite a bit lately, who I could see coming up with big goals and helping their team. So it'll be really interesting to see if those two teams can... Obviously, they're both very stacked. Tampa Bay being the defending champs. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all the former Blue Jackets do. Yeah, and, and yeah, if any of them end up lifting a cup, like I'll be, I'll be really happy for them. So yeah. I'll be definitely cheering for those guys to have success in the postseason. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJCannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates.